Thank you for traveling with Amex Platinum. To your right, you'll see Oceanside Relaxation at a fine hotel and resort property. When booked through Amex Travel, you can enjoy complimentary breakfast for 2 and 4 p.m. late checkout. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. MTV's official Challenge podcast is back for another season. And so are we. I'm Tori Deal. And I'm Anissa Ferreira. The wait is over, guys. All Stars 4 is finally here. And this season takes it to a whole new level. Old school legends, modern power players, and ex-lovers are all competing in Cape Town, South Africa for the prize of $300,000. And we're going to be right here along with you fans covering every episode on the podcast. Listen to MTV's official challenge podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Diosa. And I'm Mala. We are the creators of Locatora Radio, a radiophonic novella, which is a fancy way of saying a, a podcast. podcast. Welcome to Locatora Radio Season 9. Love, Love at first, first listen. listen. We're older, we're wiser, and we're podcasting through a new decade of our lives. This season, we're falling in love with podcasting all over again. And getting to the heart of our stories. We're going places we've never gone before, and we're bringing you along with us. With new segments, correspondence, and a brand new sound. Season 9 is kicking off with an intimate interview with Grammy Award-winning singer-songwriter Natalia Laforcade. What's giving you hope right now? Well, when I see See what music does to people. It gives me a lot of hope. If you liked Locatora before, you're going to love Season 9. Subscribe to our show and you'll see why Locatora is your prima's favorite podcast. Listen to Locatora Radio as part of the Michael Cultura Podcast Network, available on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Volume. Guys, I'm here with Sugar Sean O'Malley. UFC 292, Sean O'Malley fights Al Jermaine Sterling for the Bantamweight Champion of the World. Sean, thanks for checking in with me. I appreciate you. So, Al Jermaine Sterling fights a couple months ago. After the fight, you go into the octagon, it's a scene. You want a scene, right? Because the scene can be replayed, it can be built. But Al Jermaine was very clear. I'm not fighting this dude in Boston. How does this fight happen if the champion is saying, I don't, I don't want the fight? I'd like to say it was all because of me. But, you know, realistically, UFC does what they want. I, I, they told me Boston. I said, let's do it. You and Al Jermaine Sterling don't have much history. But when you're in the octagon, you guys are kind of jawing at each other. Is that just a byproduct of being in there in a cage with a guy that you want to fight? Or is there something more to you and Al Jermaine Sterling? Every time I've stepped into Octagon, I've thought. So, you know, you get in there, you get a little antsy, you get excited, but uh, he has what I want. He has the belt. I have what he wants. Money, fans, fame, yeah. every, you know, good looks. I have a <laughs> lot of things he wants. He has one thing that I want, and it just... You guys, it's like that. It's like such an intense, like, when you walk in there and there's a guy in there. Like, you want that scene where Rob's in there with your jacket on. Aljo said that he wants to go to 145 after this fight, win or lose, is that a mistake to kind of be looking at what's next down the line? Um, you know, I, I don't know if that's necessarily true. He might, I go out there, knock him out, he takes a year off, he might go, do I really want to go to 145? I, I don't know how good he does at 145. 135, he, he's, you know, he's dominating. So we'll see when it comes down to it. I think he likes the attention of, that, that's the only headlines he gets. It's by him saying, I'm going to go up to 45. That's the only time I ever see anything about <laughs> Aljo's his weight. Oh, I'm a big bantamweight. I'm a weight bully. I'm You're weighing. taller than him, though. Yeah, yeah. Much taller. Yeah. 
I am. Thank you. But you have no, you have no desires of going up or anything. It's all right now. Yeah, right now I, I want to be. I want to do what he's doing. I want to get the belt. I want to defend the belt. And uh, it's as simple as that. I, I have very big plans for what I want to do in the UFC, with you know, and and, and other things. So I want to, and that doesn't. You can't do the things that I want to do without becoming champ. I mean, you don't even got to defend the belt, realistically. Yeah, actually, yeah, you really, you got you to just be champ. You don't. Connor didn't. He didn't yeah. defend it, but he went up, went up, went up a weight class. And uh, but ideally, you know, I, I have to be champ to to do the things that I want to do. You spoke about him getting the headlines only about weight. What is it, right? When a guy can win at that level, but not be connected to the people, and what makes it easy for people to be connected to you? Because it seemed like the fans flood to you. Yeah. With this guy, no matter what he does, he doesn't seem to resonate with the people as much. I feel like he's doing a good job. He, I feel like he's slowly kind of turning that around, super slow, slowly <laughs> turning that around. I, and I don't know. I don't have the answer to that. I don't know why the fans, I have more of a fan base or more exciting or whatever. It's what the people say. I, I don't know. I don't have the answer to that. I don't necessarily. It just, it is what it is. You know, I, I one of your buddies fought last week. Boy, got game. Marcus. <laughs> yeah, he yeah. got game, huh? Yeah. Him and, and also Batista. You train with Batista too? Yep. Kyler won the week before. Kyler that too. won the Kyler, week before. Marcus Mario's was supposed to fight Cody Garbrandt. Mm -hmm. Some people just aren't built for this. Uh, you had to pull out. He said that after I uh, got injured mm -hmm. once. So it's kind of, I got to use that a few times lately. But yeah, so Mar Mario was supposed to fight Cody. He was very, very excited for the opportunity for him to fight a big name. You know, he was on a 17 fight losing streak, but it was would have still been a <laughs> would have still been a good win for him. But now he's got the short notice guy that, that won last weekend. That won last week, and it's tough, right? Yeah. But you guys got to rock and roll a little bit down there in Phoenix, Arizona. Yeah. You said this morning on first take you feel like you're going to knock Al Jermaine Sterling out. What yeah. is it that you see that makes you feel that way? Because I think when, when I watch you strike, right, it's not just that you can box. It's the angles. It's the footwork. It's the You're very precise. But it's the it's in the angles, man. You the way you spin people, the way you pop off and pivot. Yeah. I think like to the blind eye, they don't pick up on that. Mm -hmm. Is it something in that that you think you can find Aljamain reaching or something to put him out? Yeah, I think you know you look at his shots. He does have some really good entries, some really good shots, but he has a lot of sloppy shots too. Mm -hmm. He'll shoot at a distance. He'll sh just shoot, and I find people's chins, and and I just picture him shooting, taking a sloppy shot. And landing, landing the shots that I need to. He he is cutting a lot of weight, and that does play a role in in your brain juice. Like, mm -hmm. I think guys like when I fought Chris Moutinho, I don't think he wasn't a very big guy. I don't think he cut that much weight. No, he took he, a lot of damage too. Yeah, and he took a lot of damage. There's no way Aljo could take those shots, and uh, those were heavy shots on the chin. I found his chin, you know, 400 times. Yeah. So I'm gonna find Aljo's chin. It, it, and it's you know it's no secret my game plan and his game plan. Mine's don't let him touch me. I don't want my back up against the cage. I don't want him to touch me once. Is this ever surprising to you, like that you're here this fast? Not even just getting to a title shot, right? Having this fan base, having this type of popularity, having this profile in fighting, is this all ever like surprising? Do you ever take a moment to kind of look back at the work and go, man, I couldn't even have imagined that this would have happened this quickly. It's weird, I, and I say this, and it's just the, the truth. I, did, I pictured all of this. I've seen this at an early age. I remember when I kind of met Tim for the first time in Phoenix. I was 18 years old, flew down first time, and I was like, we're, we're going to be in the top. I'm going to be a star in the UFC. And this was 
I, I just, I don't know why I had that kind of mindset. I don't know if it's from being from a small town in Montana and just being kind of delusional. Mm-hmm. Thinking like, oh, I could, I could for whatever reason, I, I literally seen all this, pictured all of this, and, you know, now it's here. So it's not like a, I'm definitely grateful for it. And, and it's really cool to look back on where I came. But it's not like, whoa, it's not weird to me. It's, it's normal. It's part of the movie that, that's been playing in my head. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith. When I'm not at my day job, first tape, you can find me in my studio hosting the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday, at the very least, as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and politics. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions on those nauseating cowboy fans, the chaos in Washington, D.C., and trending topics on social media, as well as my straight-shooter interviews with top celebrities and game changers. And I occasionally give out love advice. Yes, it's true. If you want to know my true feelings about something, I'll give it to you straight. So, listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast. I'm Hannah Storm, and my podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, digs deep into the history of professional basketball, along with my own as one of the first female sportscasters. Now let's get you up to speed on what else happened around the NBA today. We talked to all sorts of people I interacted with, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley and recap iconic moments. Yes, he's got it. Here he comes. Ray rocked the baby to sleep and slammed up. As well as some of the wild stories behind the scenes. We were like, what? What are we in for? The scoreboard crashes before we even tip a game off. Today, the NBA is a global sports and entertainment giant. Players are multimillionaires and cultural icons. Iguodala to Curry, back to Iguodala, up for the layup. Oh, blocked by James. LeBron James. And these stories are about how we got here, both on and off the court. And what's next? Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storr on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. At what point did that change for you? Right? Because I remember, I feel like it's been a, it's been from the start. Right? The moment you see Snoop going, O'Malley, 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 it seemed like, you could get to this point, but you had to back it up. And there were a lot of people that were very hesitant to give you the credit that you deserve in terms of being a top-level fighter. And even me, I'd be like, well, we got to see what he's going to do. We got to see what he's going to do. And I'll openly tell you that. But I felt that as you continue to evolve, I thought in the last fight was when I said to myself, fuck, this guy, he really does have it. Because you didn't have to just win. You had to dig real deep against Piotr Jan. And to fight a guy at that level... It was like, okay, Sean O'Malley's ready for the top. At what point for you did you feel that? Can you go back to that Jan fight and feel like, man, there were moments where I was like, 
fuck, this is going to be what people are going to remember about me for a while. I've always known I had the dog. I mean, I trained, you know, trained at the lab, getting beat up when I first moved down there as an amateur, and, and I never just quit. I never just, you know, lay, laid over. So I always knew I had the dog in me, and I kept getting these guys that was fighting, you know, Eddie Wineland, Thomas Almeida, mm-hmm. you know, getting these names where, in, in Jose Quinone, I knew I was going to go out there and knock these dudes out. I wasn't going to say no. I want to highlight real. I want to get paid, and I want to, you know, be able to go back to the UFC and say, hey, this is what I'm capable of doing. And uh, so it, I was never upset with, People questioning, like, yeah, but it was it was Eddie Wineland. He's mm-hmm. not in his prime anymore. I'm like, all right, that's fine with me. I I did my job. The next guy, next guy. So I I never I get why people questioned. It was always like, oh, well, he's getting the matchups. He's getting the matchups. He's getting the matchup because they don't. People don't want to believe that a guy can kind of have it and then have it that accompanies all those wins. People are like yeah. hesitant with that. Yeah. But in that last fight, it was like, man, is this too much for him too soon? Yeah, no, I mean, we all got to, in my heart, I truly believe they go out there and beat him. And, uh, the, you know, I was a huge underdog, but my team knows, the, the guys I trained with know, I'm, I'm not just this. I, I'm in the gym consistently. Mm-hmm. You don't you don't not be in the gym consistently and go and accidentally beat Peter Yan. You beat Peter Yan, you know, by having a certain level of skill, heart, will to win. And, uh, yeah, I want to be rich. I want to be famous, all this stuff. But I still have the dog, man. I still, I'm a winner. I'm a competitor. I've been competing my entire life, not in fighting, but in every, in just other sports. I hated losing, mm-hmm. and I still hate losing. So, it's, uh, yeah. I, I knew I had it in me. I knew there would be questions around it, but that was a massive step up in competition. Peter was by far the best guy I fought, mm-hmm. hands down, and, and I beat him. It was a very, very close fight. I've watched it back multiple times. I, the first round was very close. That's kind of what the what it comes the, down it comes to. Comes down to yeah. And uh, but you, you, you saw fight. that takedown. You won the fight. You saw yeah, that you takedown I saw at the end of that first. I saw it. So you won like, the fight. Yeah. But but here's the thing, right? You had to beat him, but you actually had to beat him with a skill set that matched his skill set. Yeah. You didn't take him down multiple times, right? You had to like actually box yeah. and outstrike a guy that is known for striking. Turned him into a wrestler. You turned him into the guy that was trying to wrestle. Yeah. You know, I, I don't get it. I know. I always thought it was funny when you would say, "I'm undefeated. I'm undefeated" because of the way the Cheeto Vera fight ended. You go on publicly now and say you win, Cheeto wins, matches up in December. Why? It would seem as though you're past him. I'm definitely past him. I've been past him, but I've always. Everyone's like, "Why don't you rematch him?" I said, "I will rematch him. I will give him that opportunity when the time is right." I can't think of a bigger fight in the bantamweight division than me versus Cheeto. The rematch, just because it's the rematch. If we had never fought and he goes out there beats Pedro, I was like, eh. Sure, I'll go fight him. And because he had just lost to Sanhagen. Bad. Of course, Sanhagen fought really good that fight. Cheeto fought really bad. He did fight good, but that San was... Sanhagen fought good. Yeah, he did. Uh, yeah, so it's tough. You know, he's coming off an embarrassing performance. So if he can go out there and get the job done against Pedro, that that's the only fight really that makes sense. If I, if I was wanting, which I am wanting, to fight in December, um, that would be the fight that makes sense. But I, I'm not looking past Aljo at yeah. all. Not even a little bit. But, you know, you get asked these questions. Oh, all what's the time, yeah. I mean, so I have an answer. It's Cheeto, December. Yeah. Do you like the, the Conor McGregor comparisons? Do you like those comparisons? Because people want to compare you to Conor. And in reality, you guys are both strikers. Mm-hmm. But it's a much different approach to striking. It's mm-hmm. not the same, right? You are different than Conor McGregor in the way that you strike, in the way that you move, as I spoke about a little yeah. bit earlier. But do you like those comparisons? I mean, he's extremely rich. Yeah. He's a good businessman. Uh, he was double champ. He's considered one of the goats in, in UFC as far as all-around things. Maybe not just skill, just talent. He's very talented, very skilled. But there's 
you guys that are more skilled. Um, but as far as, yeah, I, I don't mind those comparisons. It, it always trips me out when I feel like people can have sim- similar personality traits. And like we yeah. obviously have a couple similar, so people want to compare me. Oh, you dress like Connor. You, it's like if I wear a suit, if anyone wears a suit. <laughs> yeah, now you like, dress like Connor. So, but yeah, I don't, I don't mind the, the comparisons com- considering what he's done for the sport. It's a compliment, really. It is the craziest thing when people are like, oh, you're a company man. I'm like, they write my fucking checks. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> hey, they write you're my checks. Right. Of course I want to be like Conor McGregor. He's got billions of dollars. Yeah. It is what it is. But could you think, now, Sean, as I let you go, this is my last question. Have you allowed yourself, when thinking of the biggest moments in UFC history, when guys attain something so great, McGregor, 14 seconds over Aldo. Weidman knocking out Anderson. Hell, when me and Stipe fought the first time. Have you ever allowed you have you allowed yourself to think about that in Boston fighting Al Jermaine this weekend? Allow yourself to go to a place and go, man, I put this dude out in the most dramatic fashion. I become the champion. How sweet that would be. Yeah, that, that definitely crosses my mind. Um but it's I have this weird acceptance of whatever happens, happens that allows me to be as calm as I am and not feel pressure. So I, I truly, you know, whatever happens in this fight, I'm okay with. I go with, into that every fight. I have that, yeah. what, whatever's gonna happen is gonna happen. Do I believe something spectacular is gonna happen? I do. Um, August 19th, Saturday night, pay-per-view, we gotta find out. Last, I'm sorry, last thing. Is, this the pro- is it a problem that you haven't, have, would you have wanted to main event a fight night or something to fight five rounds or? You're so valuable, right? They always have you on pay-per-view that you never got to fight five. First time fighting five against this guy. Will that matter at all? Uh, no, I, I, I planned that. You know, I could have headlined fight nights for sure. I, I'm, you know, there was a, a number in my mind that if I'm going to fight five rounds, damn, you're fighting twice in one night. It you know, is. It's 10 it minutes, sucks. but that 10 minutes is long. It might as well be 15. <laughs> uh, if I'm going to fight five fives, I want to be paid a certain amount. I'm being paid that uh, amount. I'm very happy with my contract. And... Five fives, yeah, it's definitely you know. Obviously, I hadn't sparred five fives in a in a fight camp before because there was really no need. Maybe you do four sometimes, just kind of do yeah. extra. But yeah, this camp we did five fives, and it, that was the only real difference. But yeah, it's a, it's a big difference. It's you know, it's the worst thing. That fourth round in the fight, eleven straight five round fights for me as I ended my career. <laughs> it was the craziest shit. Eleven straight five round fights. That's insane. It's nuts. Because training for five rounds. That's the problem, it's right? It's so fucked. It's not even the fight. It's like yeah. in the training, you leave so much as you prepare. Mm-hmm. Guys, Sugar Sean O'Malley challenges Al Jermaine Sterling this weekend. UFC 292 main event for the Bantamweight Championship of the World. Make sure you guys hit the buy button. Watch him try to become the champ. Until next time, guys. Peace. MTV's official Challenge podcast is back for another season. And so are we. I'm Tori Deal. And I'm Anissa Ferreira. The wait is over, guys. All Stars 4 is finally here. And this season takes it to a whole new level. Old school legends, modern power players, and ex-lovers are all competing in Cape Town, South Africa for the prize of $300,000. And we're going to be right here along with you fans covering every episode on the podcast. Listen to MTV's official challenge podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.
I'm Diosa. And I'm Mala. We are the creators of Locatora Radio, a radiophonic novella, which is a fancy way of saying a, a podcast. podcast. Welcome to Locatora Radio Season 9. Love, Love at first, first listen. listen. We're older, we're wiser, and we're podcasting through a new decade of our lives. This season, we're falling in love with podcasting all over again. And getting to the heart of our stories. We're going places we've never gone before, and we're bringing you along with us. With new segments, correspondence, and a brand new sound. Season 9 is kicking off with an intimate interview with Grammy Award-winning singer-songwriter Natalia Laforcade. What's giving you hope right now? Well, when I see what music does to people, it gives me a lot of hope. If you liked Locatora before, you're going to love Season 9. Subscribe to our show and you'll see why Locatora is your prima's favorite podcast. Listen to Locatora Radio as part of the My Cultura Podcast Network, available on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Big Take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best-informed business reporters around the world. We cover the stories behind what's moving money and markets and help you understand what's happening, what it means, and why it matters every afternoon. I'm Sarah Holder. I'm Saleya Mosin. And I'm David Gura. Listen to The Big Take on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.